When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of The Back Check on Billy Up Sports. You can catch us Tuesdays at 5 p.m. on Unhinged Radio. I'm Brendan. With me, as always, is Stefan. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Even though last night we played a brutal Men's league game. Just brutal. It started with me bobbling the puck like I was a fish out of water. <laughs> After we took an early lead, and then it just, I guess you guys decided to stop skating? Maybe yeah, too much, much reliability on me. All Swede, no finish was the story of that game. Yeah, shout out to All... our friend Matt Levitz, though. He had, a, he had a sauce pass that reminded me of Barzal's sauce pass to Lee the other night in Minnesota. Gorgeous for his second goal of the game. But then when it mattered, he couldn't bury. But that's for another day. <laughs> So, yeah, so we got uh, an exciting episode here. You want to introduce who our guest is going to be later on? Yeah, but it's Nick Gizmondi. He is a Seattle Kraken broadcaster for Root Sports Northwest. That's going to be a fantastic interview because, you know, we're on the East Coast. We know Seattle's the newest NHL franchise, but we don't know the, the in and outs of the organization, the new arena, what it's like, the atmosphere, the fans. So it'll be really cool to sit down with him and, and learn some new stuff. Yeah, definitely going to be an interesting interview. I do want to ask about the salmon toss, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, we also have some crazy news to announce it finally happened i know we've been talking about this for about four months now is jack eichel going to get traded where is he going to get traded is it going to happen it did so we're going to dive into that a little bit we got the rangers news after they finally gave the panthers their first loss and talk about the islanders go into all that stuff so it's going to be a jam-packed show you're not going to want to miss a second of it but we will dive right into the league news right now and kicking things off i think it's fitting that we do the uh, the Jack Eichel stuff. Yeah, so Around the Boards, brought to you by Pure Hockey, um, is one of the best retail hockey stores in the entire country. So definitely go check them out, Pure Hockey. Link is in our bio. So yeah, Brendan, obviously Jack Eichel, that needed to happen. I mean, it was it's great for the NHL that it is over. So the deal is Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a future first-round draft pick, and a future second-rounder to Buffalo 
in exchange for Jack Eichel, and I don't know how that happened, but a third-round draft pick as well. So you look at this, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at this trade. Who won the trade? I think, Brendan, we can both agree Jack Eichel won the trade because but. Jack Eichel gets his surgery that he wants, finally. And it was so funny. Uh, someone in Vegas over management was talking, and they were they were like, yeah, of course he's going to have the surgery he wants. Why would we ever let a player not let get a surgery that he wants? Just throwing right at the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres. But then you look at it also, too, and the real losers in this trade are the Buffalo Sabres. Anytime you ever draft your second overall pick, who is a superstar? Jack Eichel is probably a top five player when he's healthy. You, that person should never be leaving your organization. So no matter what their return is, I know Alex Tuck, the reason they wanted him is because he's from that area and he wants to stay. But it like, doesn't matter how they do. If, if Sabres eventually win a cup, whatever, people forget. But at the same time, you traded your second overall pick, a superstar, you lose the trade. You lose the trade. And it, it sucks for Buffalo. It had to happen. But they're the main losers. It doesn't matter what their return was. Yeah, this is one of the rare instances where a team could have traded a second overall pick and not lost the trade if the Rangers decided <laughs> to give Kako to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. But actually, uh, if you wind up reading what came out after, the Pagulas did not want to send him downstate, so they wound up yeah. taking the, a lesser offer elsewhere. It, it's just, I don't understand that at all. You're worried about, why you worry about where he goes? If you're going to move him, worry about how you're going to get your team better in the long run. So, interesting enough, I mean... Vegas, they're going to have to have a subsequent move here unless they're envisioning him being out the remainder of the season and they're going to do a Tampa Bay type move where he goes long time, long term IR until the playoffs. But if he comes back, they, they're going to be like 10 million over the cap. Because, I think Riley Smith is gone. Well, if Riley Smith is gone, I, I think that there's a team that would be interested in Jack Eichel that might be knocking on the door saying, hey, how we're going to do it when they just got Ryan Reeves from Vegas. They just took Vegas as former coach. The Rangers are going to be in on Riley Smith. They were knocking on those and, and pumping those tires a little bit before the season. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, God, man, him next to Pacioretty and Stone? Yeah, they're injured right now. That that could be one of the best lines in all of hockey. They're definitely listen- the best line on the IR. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so I was listening to 32 Thoughts podcast with um, Friedman and Marek, and they were talking because Friedman went down and interviewed Eichel. And a few things that came out of that were pretty interesting. One, so Eichel, there was rumors that Eichel asked for a trade after they did, the Sabres didn't make it to the bubble a couple years ago. He said that was true. He admitted he said it was true. And what happened is the Pagulas were really hurt by that. And they took it personally, which is why I think this whole thing got blown out the way it did. Because they were so hurt that, not that Eichel betrayed them, but Eichel wanted out and he wanted a trade. So I think they were unable to separate business. and Because when you, you draft Jack Eichel, that's like, all right, your family, you're, you have that bond now. I'm assuming Eichel was happy when he first got picked and all that kind of stuff. So to see your best player say you want to leave, I think they took that very, very personally. And that made this a lot harder because they were they were holding a grudge. And you never want to do that because, again, if you're, if you're a – that's the problem with fans running teams. Now, obviously, the Pagoulas want the Sabres to win. I'm not sure if they're actual – you know, they grew up Sabre fans. But they couldn't separate the fact that – from Eichel, the person, the guy that they love that they drafted, from this is a business. You know, everyone does want to talk about sports being a business. It's 100% a business. And Eichel looked at it as, I want to leave because, first off, I want to win. And the Sabres wanted a spot to win. And two, you know, this is my career. We're wasting away. And I want to be moved. Now, the question is, do they make the right move trading him to Vegas? Apparently, the Kachuk stuff might have been true, that he was going to be involved with the Flames. 
But on the other hand, people think that there may have been a leak on purpose to start to get rumors talking, and that way Vegas was able to offer something more. I don't know, but again, it works out for Jack Eichel. And hope hope to God that he is able to come back from his surgery and be better than he was. Because he said that. He said he thinks he can come back better. But again, this is a questionable surgery, and we'll see how it pans out for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hopefully he comes back because the game is better when he is playing, right? He's a dynamic player, probably yeah. one of the most dynamic players in the league. And if he happened to come into any other draft class, he probably would have been the number one overall pick. He just was taken behind a guy named Connor McDavid, who we're going to talk about in a little bit because he completely embarrassed <laughs> the New York Rangers. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jack Eichel is going to make Vegas better. And I can understand, you know, the, the whole type of being hurt by him wanting to leave but at the same time he gave you 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 know you you got your building piece your building block and they did absolutely nothing with it they got worse every single year so the guy's gonna want to win he doesn't want to waste the prime of his career he signed a long-term contract with you which means at a time he believed in what you're where you were going and what you were doing and you just let him down so it's his right now to say hey i want to go somewhere that's gonna you know make me a contender again and Instead of looking at it as we have now the best asset on the entire trade market, they looked at it as, oh, this guy wants to leave and it's it's going to hurt us. And they they mishandled the situation. No, but in the, the end, Sabre, it's over. Yeah, the Sabres mismanaged this whole entire operation. I heard, too, on that podcast that whoever the GM, Kevin Adams won the GM at the time. It's been since Ike signed that big uh, contract. But apparently there was a lot of pressure from the Bakulas to sign him long-term and give him a max deal pretty much because they liked him so much. So again, you got to separate your passion, your heart for a player or a team and the business side. And again, hopefully Jack Huck comes back and dominates. But let's move on because Alex Ovechkin is, first off, he's playing like he's 25 and Absolute he just continues start. continues to dominate. He scored his 741 career NHL goal in the win against the Sabres. That ties Brett Hull and Brent. Do you remember uh, when the Blues were in the Stanley Cup in that last game? They interviewed Brett Hull, when he and was he was sloshed. blacked out. <laughs> when and he was it was sloshed. one of the funny. He's just sitting there. I don't even remember a word he said. I don't think he was. You couldn't hear it at all. But he was blacked out. But anyway, congratulations to Alex Ovechkin on passing the great drunk in, in Brett Hull. <laughs> Brett Hull was. In an f- absolute body bag that whole entire run. I mean, I remember watching the interviews before the games, after yeah. the games, all that fun stuff, you know, awesome. And then the thing that came out during the parade where they had a wedding that was going on and Brett Hull wound up going in there. Like, this guy was just living life. And he was, wasn't even on the team or a part of it in any way, shape, or form. He was just a former Blue. But Brett Hull's a great guy, great hockey player, and... 741 and counting, man. I mean, everyone was like, okay, is he going to touch Gretzky? And they're, oh, he's getting older. He might slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> this dude is an absolute monster. I don't know what he eats in the morning, but I would love to get in on that diet because I'm getting sluggish at 23. I don't know what he's doing to continue to produce it the way he is. And he's in the upper 30s now. It's just crazy to watch. So throwing another podcast out there, Spin Chicklets interviewed Nick Dowd, who obviously has played with Oveskin for a little bit now. And he's biased, but he said that Ovechkin's the best shooter he's ever seen. And uh, he's, I, right. I would, he's, he's right. I mean, it's just absurd because he's good in one spot, but then we're seeing him now, like he's getting on breakaways that used to never happen. And he, he's showing showcasing the hand, like the guy does it all. He just does it all. And he's a unit. And I think his physicality, being a big guy, I think that's helped him because 
He doesn't get pushed around. Like, you could be really talented. Let's say, like, a Barzola or Jack Hughes. But you get bodied off the puck or whatever like that. You can't do that. Ovechkin, literally, you can't do anything to him. Yeah. He's the, only the greatest reason he misses, goal scorer of all time. The only reason he ever misses games is because he gets suspended for not participating in the All-Star game. That's it. <laughs> he suspends himself. He doesn't Every play year. because of his own decisions. That's it. Every single year, too. I, yeah. I, yeah. He's he's a, a different kind of breed, man. I mean... D- the fact that Wayne Gretzky's saying he's the greatest goal scorer of all time, I think that's that's the biggest, you know, compliment that you could pay a guy. But <laughs> Gretzky it, also said he Gretzky also said um during one of the broadcasts that it was mu- it's mu- it was much easier to score back in the day, which we yeah. of course all know. And for Gretzky to come out and say that, I mean, he's not stupid. I mean, does he he watches the games now and probably goes, Thank God I played when I played not that Gretzky wouldn't be good now, of course, if the times were different. He'd probably be like like McDavid, maybe a little less. But, yeah, I mean, to do what he does against the greatest players who are bigger, stronger, faster, goaltending is, I mean, goaltenders are unreal compared to what they used to be. It's just unreal. But the last topic I want to touch on is Carey Price is back with the Canadians, but he's not. Um, he had a knee injury, had surgery. He's working his way back. He checked into the NHL, NHLPA Players Assistance Program. Not sure what the abuse was, whether it was drugs or alcohol. We're just going to not assume because that'd be wrong of us. But obviously, losing in a in a Stanley Cup final probably takes a mental toll on you. And again, we, we always talk about mental health and that being a, a bigger thing in sports. I know Ben Simmons with the 76ers in basketball just went and sat with their mental, uh, mental skills coach or whatever they call it over there to talk about him being a, a top draft pick and not surmounting to it to being that player that they thought he would be. But for Carey Price, I mean, you look at the Canadians the way they started. Him just being back in the building around the guys, that's got to be a, a bump up for all of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with the start that they had to the year. Yeah, right? it I mean, doesn't get worse. You got to get your veteran goalie back. And like you said, we're, no one really knows what he's going through. And obviously it was significant enough where he felt like it was time to get some assistance. And, you know, we commend people for that. I, I remember when Bobby Ryan did it and then his yeah. first game back, he scored a Hattie and how emotional Beautiful. that was. So. You kind of hope that when Carey Price does feel like he's ready to return, that he has a similar type of thing happen there. I mean, realistically, that's that's the caliber of goaltender where if he did come back, he could post a shutout in his first game. I would not be surprised at all. But Montreal does need him back desperately. They need a lot of things, actually. But getting Carey <laughs> Price back would be a, a big step in the right direction just to hopefully start to climb back towards 500. I mean, they, they are so far in a hole. Everyone talks about it's early, it's early, it's early. There's a difference between being like three or four games under 500 at this early in the season versus two and nine or, or whatever they got off to a start at. And that's, uh, yeah, that's they called are, digging a grave. They are three and ten. Yeah, that's right? that's a that's a grave being dug. Anytime you look up in the standings and a team called the Ottawa Senators is in front of you, probably not the greatest of starts. And the, the bad thing about this is because if they did not make it to the Stanley Cup Finals last year and go on that run, it's probably not as much of a deal, but you're looking at the the Montreal media, a team that was close to winning a Stanley Cup, even though that series wasn't close, but they they made it. To now start off like this, again, you're you're missing Shea Weber, you're missing Carey Price, you saw players leave. Corey Perry, I know statistically didn't have an unreal postseason, but that's a guy you want on your team. He joins the Lightning. I mean, like so they lost a lot of key guys. And I think, I mean, I don't think they make the playoffs this season. I didn't think they were going to make it before the season started, but big holder. And if Carey Price can help dig him out or at least make it a, you know, go on a little bit of a streak, I mean, it's possible. If he plays the way he played in the playoffs last season, it's definitely possible. 
it's it's possible, but it's it's not at the same time. That I I said it before the year started that yeah. this was not a playoff team, even if they were going well. They won a playoff team they, last year. Correct. It, it there is some weight, right? I mean, yeah. when you look at the Islanders, since this is a Rangers Islanders, you know, show they took advantage of the situation that they were given. But the Islanders are a much better team than Montreal was. Islanders, I really truly believe, might have swept them in cup final. I don't think anybody from the East was losing to them. No. I was actually, I mean, they did prove everyone wrong by beating Vegas. Yeah. I still think that if Colorado got past Vegas, Colorado would have wiped the floor with them. But they were also getting, they were hot at the right time. We'll just put it that way. Hey, and you, you got to give them credit for that too. You no, gotta, you if do. you're going to get hot at a certain time, doing it in the Stanley Cup playoffs is probably the time. You do. But they ran into, a, in a typical year, a divisional foe that knows who they are, knows how to beat them, and <laughs> beat them up pretty good. Um, but they, hopefully Price comes back soon. I mean, the game, like we said, is much better with him in it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But segueing over to the next one, I think it's time we talk about the Rangers after their big win last night. So... This is $20 Beers. $20 Beers is brought to you by Kong Beer Bong. The Kong Beer Bong is made with Eva Foam, chilling your drink longer so you can party harder. Their team created the first Beer Bong can cooler to help you bring the good times anywhere. So the Rangers come off a signature win, their biggest one of the year. They finally had a home game. I know that the Islanders are the New York team. Yeah, don't say finally had a home game. It's true, though. They... For a team that has a home arena, they haven't played any home games. I mean, this was their fourth of the year, and then they have five days off and go right back on the road. I don't know who made the schedule. It makes no sense to me at all, but that's a thing for another day. They come home, and they beat the only unbeaten, the only remaining unbeaten team at the time in the Florida Panthers, 4-3. to three. Should not have been 4-3, to three, um, but it was. They came out hard, came out well, and capitalized on some chances their offense finally looked like it was clicking even though they didn't really put many shots on spencer knight they just took advantage of the ones they were given and this is what we expected from the rangers offense maybe not the quality or quantity of shots but the ability to take a turnover and put into the back of the net and it helps when igor shesterkin is as good as he was stopping 42 of 45 um I believe according to natural statric the panthers had 21 high danger chances in that game and they only scored three goals total. Uh, so it's not a <laughs> not every night that you see your goaltender do what they did. They were out shot 45 to 18, yet one four three. That's goaltending for you. It's to make or break. It, it's we're legitimately watching the John Tortorella Rangers again. And they block, of, they're not blocking shots. They're blocking shots. That, so wait, so you're telling me they allowed 45 shots in goal, and how many did they block? If you had to guess, if I had to guess, probably at least 15. Well, I guess we could just pull it up, shall we? Hold on one second. Let's see how many blocks they had. So you're going to guess 15? Yeah. The Rangers had 21. There you go. So so 62. Is that is that right, man? Yeah. 62, 62 minimum. Minimum. That's not that's not counting missed wide. Yeah. yeah. So 62 shots were probably going on goal. 
that's a lot of that's a lot of shots. But that's why goaltending is just it's probably the one of the more important positions in any sport. I know people say, well, well, catchers, you know, no, quarterbacks, maybe quarterbacks. But I feel like in hockey, you don't have a good goaltender, you're screwed. You yep. are just screwed. Um, talk about Keandre Miller though. Oof. What a power move around Mackenzie Weger, and then not even that. To cut to the net, I was waiting for a. The highlight, I'm like, oh, he made a power move. And then I saw the shot and said, oh, there it is. I uh, I don't know who it was. I think it was Andy and Rono. They do uh, the advanced stats. like yeah. Similar to like Jay Fresh Hockey where they have the charts and everything. And they had posted something prior to the game that said, Keandre Miller is actually playing better defensively than people are giving him credit. The offense hasn't come yet. And to everybody else, it's been the exact opposite with the eye test. The offense hasn't been their goals-wise, but defense hasn't been – better than what we're thinking it's been worse and then all of a sudden he comes out and it, it just makes you wonder where has that been like why I, I know he's a defenseman and he's not going end to end every game but if he has the ability with the puck to stride like that why not have the confidence to go from behind your net and make the forwards commit to you that way the pass lanes open up spread out the ice right if he just picks his head up usually and makes that first pass and if you're making a good first pass, that's great. But if you have the ability to skate up a little bit and give them something else to think about, do it. And the other thing I got from that is, why the hell is he not on the power play? Uh, their power play is atrocious. Their first unit is mediocre at, at best right now, and they have the ability to click. But the second unit with Truba on the back end of it makes no sense when you have a guy like Miller who clearly just showed he has all the raw potential on offense that you could possibly have in a defender. Let him go on the power, but let him go end to end and then carry it up on and break in instead of having Truba pass it two feet to Capo Kaku, turns it over with, at ease. God, I, Kako drives me crazy. I just don't understand how the Rangers found all these guys. You got Fox, Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren. I mean, these guys are they're unreal. What was uh what was Miller's uh nickname? It was some type of insect. Do you remember? Oh last God. year they was called it him? Praying Mantis. Praying Mantis, yeah. yeah. If you're going to have Miller, who has he played better defensively? Because, again, I haven't watched too closely. I've seen the highlights I, and caught some games. I think that one-on-one, yeah. he's very good because even when he gets beat, he knows how to use his reach to knock the puck away. The one thing that he has to work on is when he's in front or battling with somebody individually, he tends to go for the body and try to bump them away. And with the guys that are this skilled in the NHL – the first thing you have to do always is stick on stick and then follow through with the body. If you leave their stick free and you're bumping them, bumping them, these guys are too skilled. They're going to still be able to get their stick on the puck. So I think positionally in front, he has to improve a lot. Outside of that, I think he's been okay one-on-one and offensively, he's still going to get better. Yeah, like I said, I watched the highlight and just that's the placement of that shot was just perfect. It doesn't really get any better. I know after the game, he said he's been watching a lot of Conor McDavid films. So, I mean, he saw it firsthand. Conor McDavid, we didn't even talk about that. But how did you feel you're watching that? It, Conor McDavid is Conor McDavid. Yeah. I, I didn't watch it live. I was not home. I heard it on the radio, and I said, okay, as long as it's McDavid, it's probably a really nice goal. When I watched it, I was not expecting what I saw to happen. And as nice of a goal as it was, why the hell did we sign Patrick Nemeth? I mean, what the, what did they see in Patrick Nemeth that made them sign him if he signed for defensive purposes and he's poke-checking like he's swinging around a lightsaber at a carnival? I mean, come on, buddy. You're six foot four. 
that Connor McDavid's a great player, probably one of the probably the best player to ever play the game of hockey skill wise. I would agree. Take your big hand and push him. He is light as a feather. I know it's a lot easier said than done, but when you got four guys around him, he can't go left. He can't go right. The only way he could beat you is going through your stick and around you. Step into him. No. That's the one time that you actually have Connor McDavid lined up. Step into him. Don't don't do this because you look like a blind man trying to find a, a dog, right? I mean, come on. He's just waving his stick around. <laughs> blind man trying to find a dog. They interviewed McDavid after the game, and he said, I get paid to score big goals. And he goes, I probably don't want to be taking on four guys every night, but I saw it and I, and I went for it. And, I mean, again, the guy the guy's unreal. The guy's skill honestly, set is just absurd. I honestly don't even think he made a move before and Georgiev was biting. I mean, he got he, caught watching. Georgiev was slid, on a string. He slid to the first row. I don't know where he was going. <laughs> He's Keith Kincaid, I think, is like a 2.1 oh, goals against Kincaid average. Blockade as his uh, Twitter handle. He's hysterical. He's killing it with Hartford right now. And I understand that's the AHL, okay? But 2.10 is still a 2.10. And when you got a guy, Georgiev, that in that type of game, when you know the Rangers are struggling to hold leads, let a shot go right off his chest and bounce down and can't hold that. And, and let another shot that's a straight thing, he's completely sideways in goal. And uh, get rid of him. You lost out on that opportunity. Get, uh, no, no, I don't need anything for him. <laughs> I need a bag of pucks, and I need him to be on a bus down. Because it for three years... Even when he was having those miraculous games, I've been saying he is not a good goaltender. He is a below-average goaltender that has the ability to get hot in a game. Keith Kincaid is a good backup. He doesn't need to play a lot. He's been a veteran guy. He's a good locker room guy, and he could stop the pucks that he has to stop. Georgiev not always is stopping the pucks that he has to stop. Take it back. Uh, what game did he give up that goal that was just atrocious? Oh, my God. Brendan, I don't know what I ate for dinner yesterday. You're asking me what goal uh, you gave up earlier in the year? I told you you had to watch it because the Rangers, had ju- they were down 2 nothing. He what, just what cut team? the lead. I'm trying to figure it out on the fly here. It, it was a goal from the wall that had no chance of ever going in, and he it went off his own stick and in. Like he tried to push it to the corner. But now you got to find it because now I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, he's not been good. Uh, shout out to Keith Kincaid, though. He was my old goalie coach for, for one summer, so that was pretty fun. I remember he signed my glove, and I'm like, ah, he's never going to be anything, and I gave it away. Mistakes were made, but no, nah, great guy. Mistakes. But I think the Rangers missed it. I know you say you wanna, you don't want anything back for him, but if they traded him a couple years ago to the Maple Leafs who needed goaltending, what do you, what do you think? A third round pick? It was Ottawa. S- and, Second, um, no, I, I would take a seventh. No, what at, at when he was playing well, and the Rangers had that three goalie system going. When in he place. was playing well, they asked for two firsts or something like that. Two firsts for him, or one first and a second. I don't know. It was ridiculous. They were never getting <laughs> it. it. I would have right. taken a second or a third. So, I mean, this is a team that after Cam Talbot went nuts, traded him for a, a bag of third round picks. So, you, but you want a first for Georgiev? Yep. Yeah, please get real. And now look at Cam Talbot now. And also, this is the same NHL team that pissed off Kratzov and wouldn't no, send Hayek down. They didn't piss off Kratzov. He can't wait to come back and work and play for the Rangers. You didn't see his uh, little uh, presser uh, type out there? 
Yeah, because now they want to. I mean, listen, if they could fix that, please. He didn't but, type that, Brendan. That's no, that's no, of course he didn't type that's it. That's PR. Sure. If they could fix it, please. Anyway, if they decided that Hayek was worth something, I I can't even. It's talk conditioning about that. time. He's got to go condition. No, correct. But they won't put him on waivers because they don't want to lose him for nothing. I don't think there's a single in, unless somebody from Siberia can all of a sudden claim NHL players off waivers. No one is touching that guy with a ten foot pole. You don't think anyone would take it just just for like you know he what? He was Let's... scratched from his Czech Republic lineup. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is brutal. So why are why are the Rangers holding on to him like he's some prized possession? I don't know, Brendan. I don't know. Whatever. The, I, the one thing I have to say though before we move on to the Islanders. Oh, you is didn't that tell I about am... the Georgiev goal. It was against Ottawa. Oh, that's brutal. It, it was a shot from the wall. They were down one nothing before they wound up making that two uh, the three goal comeback. Oh yes, okay, I remember and this game. He it was a low shot, and he went to poke it into the corner and went off the stick and in. And it's just like, Bleh. but um, Gallant after the uh, the last game finally came out and said, "This is enough. Uh, we, we can't keep blowing leads. We got to play a full sixty minutes. We have to do this." So. I am hoping – I know that whenever you see a team struggling to do one thing in, in hockey, whether it's a power play or, or something like that or holding leads in, in, for any NHL team, when you can't hold the lead, it seems that every time you get one, the other team starts to crawl back. And when you are finally able to hold that lead, it just changes your whole entire mindset. That, okay, we finally got it done. That weight is off our shoulders. Now we can worry about playing the hockey game again. And I think that this game beating the Florida Panthers – almost letting them come back from 4 nothing down, but holding on and being able to escape with two points, not even going to OT. I think that after this and Gallant's message, you're going to see the Rangers actually play a full 60 minutes against a Columbus team that they already know that they could dominate. And I think that you might see the Rangers actually start to play more consistent hockey. That is just my opinion. I know that some Rangers fans are not going to like to hear that because of what's been going on, but I do think that this is a team now that is poised to start to play the way that they want to play in the long haul. And when your offense scores goals against a team that was 10-0-1 to start their season, that's got to be a huge confidence booster. I mean, I guess guess any team, if your offense comes alive, it's always a confidence booster. But to welcome in the Panthers and to bring it to them early, and again, that game was closer than it really should have been if the Rangers stay on the gas. That, I mean, that's a dominant win. You look back, you look at the score, and it's like, oh, they didn't really dominate. But you watch the game. I mean, they dominated that game. And I think, shout out to you, Brendan, because we talked before the game, and you said, these are the games the Rangers win. The Rangers are going to beat them. It's going to be a great game. And I know you were in the locker room almost essing yourself before our hockey game, watching the all right, another goal for Florida. Another goal, and you're like, I can't, I can't watch this. I got to turn this off. And then you look and go, all right, it's over. Um, I, these are the games that they win, and of course, Kako gets his first point of the year taken back by goalie interference, which uh, I don't know what the NHL wants players to do when they're being held by, into their goalie by the opposing team. But that's a, that's a topic for another day. Let's let's go talk about your Islanders. Well, speaking about blowing leads, this is fun. So Island Time is brought to you by Yeats. Yeats is an affordable sunglasses company that looks to help create change, using a percentage of their profits to help clean beaches around the world. No matter your style, Yeats shades are here to help you chase your vision. Use code BACKCHECK at checkout. 
And Brendan, through 10 games, the Islanders are 5-3-2. I think most Islander fans would sign up for that, given that they've been on a 13-game road trip, a few back-to-backs, a lot of off time. Unfortunately, I know fatigue was not an excuse used in their second of their back-to-back against Minnesota, where they ultimately lost 5-2, but had a lead going into the third period. They seemed to lose their legs in that third period. They played three games in a span of, what was it, four nights? Yeah. Yeah. They beat Montreal in a, in a big win. We spoke about how that was going to... They had to dominate that game, and they did. They go and they beat the Winnipeg Jets, very good team, one to nothing. Sorokin was fantastic. And then Sunday was the return of Semyon Varlamov, 33-year-old goaltender who played out of his mind last season, put the Islanders on his back, played, gets hurt the last game of the season. Sorokin does his thing against Pittsburgh. Finally, against um, the Bruins, Varlamov comes back in, takes him all the way to one game shy of a Stanley Cup final. I know Sorokin did get into one of those games, got pulled. That was a major blowout. I don't want to talk about that one. But the last time he played was a one nothing loss in Game 7 of the semifinals against the Lightning. He comes in. He stops 34 of 37. But the one goal that we all want to talk about is the go-ahead goal by Duhame, who this kid is is fun to watch, but it is a shot from way downtown. That yeah, but Verlamo. it was a shot. Yeah, yeah we, I feel like we always have this debate, and Pulak got a little bit off his stick, but Varlamov tried to chicken wing it by taking his glove and trying to just like whack at it with his shoulder, and it didn't pay off. It puts a damper on things because... Up to that point, Verlamo was playing fantastic. You look at a few goal, the two goals prior, you get a bad bounce here and there. Uh, one of the, the first shot went off like two guys in front. Second shot was a block, and then Verlamo couldn't find the uh, the puck, and they scored there. Hartman with the the scoring goal, and then a couple of empty enters. It was just you liked what you saw. Varley was Varley, is how Matt Martin put it, and I think that quote speaks volumes, no matter how short it was, because he didn't look rusty. There was a lot of talk, especially from Trotz, how. He's going to have rust. He's going to have to shake it off. And I think being tested early in the game, right off the bat, a couple of bang-bang chances in tight, he stops. And maybe a little early, you know, the rebound control wasn't fantastic. But as the game went on, as the shot total crept up, he got better and better. And for Varlamov, it's not one of the, you know, we're talking about, we're, we're spoiled with Sturkin and Sorokin with the unreal athletic mm-hmm. saves that they make. Varlamov's not that guy. He's a guy that's really focused on his positioning and calm demeanor and goal where he doesn't have to make those highlight reel saves because he's in control. And you saw that as the game went on, and I think that helps with the defense in front of you. I said before the game that Varlamov was going to be as good as the defense was. And I was wrong. He was better, despite, again, one or, or two goals where, you know, maybe if he's in midseason form, he stops them. But ultimately, you have to look at this as a building block. And for fans that think Sorokin should have started both of a back-to-back, that's foolish. That's yeah. foolish because the reason that Sorokin started the first back-to-back is because there is no belief that Corey Schneider could go out there and give you a solid effort. It's unfortunate. He's trying to work his way back, but it's not. Now that you have Varlamov back, it's an 82-game season. I think Trotz understood that no matter if the Islanders were on a point streak, a seven-game point streak that came to a close, how important it is long-term that Varlamov is a part of this. Because Sorokin, is he the number one right now? I'm not going to go as far to say that, but it's his crease to lose. He's been on fire you got to ride him. And Varlamov's going to get his games. But I think, despite it being a loss, it was a great building block for Varlamov moving forward. And uh, when does he play again? There's a back-to-back in Florida um, before they return home to face the Calgary Flames. I'm pretty sure those are the games. Yeah, the last two of this road trip. 
Those are going to be tough matchups. Varlamov's going to get in there. And it's just so important to get this tandem going. Uh, even if Varlamov plays every four or five games. Again, we have to see. If Sorokin's this hot, you got to ride him. But, Brendan, you know, having a tandem is huge. Especially you're watching right now. Georgiev's struggling. It's just Sturkin's show. But eventually, Sturkin needs a night off. And you have to trust the guy that's coming in to get the job done. You do. And I think that the Islanders have... I mean, they've they've had for the last two years now one of the best tandems in the league, if not the best tandem. Um, and that'll probably hold true again this year. I, I don't take one start like that. And I know that you think that that's one that he should have. I look at it the other way, and I say that's just an absolute perfect shot. Um, it's not far out, though. It doesn't matter how far out. It's a great it shot. Does. You see shots from the point going all the time. Yeah, but see, the, the problem with that is Varlamov has been susceptible to giving up those those weaker goals. And to me, that's a weaker goal because in the moment, that's the save you want. You, you want your goalie to make that. And if he's out a little farther, I just don't think he tracked it well. You watch the replay. You watch it break it down. Again, there's a little I, I deflection. I understand angles. I understand the angles and the positioning of a goaltender and how when you come out, the net looks smaller. But despite the net looking smaller, it's still open. And... The only way he could stop that is if he stays tall and catches it standing up. But if you're expecting a shot to come down and it changes a tad bit, that's a perfect shot. Oh, I, I get it. I'm just saying we, we've we've seen Varlamov play really well in games and then give up that goal. It's more about the timing of that. The Islanders had a lead. They why gave they, up the lead. Why do then, they play once every 10 days? What did you say? Why do they play once every 10 days? Do you ask the same thing why the Rangers are on the road? I didn't make the schedule. It's moronic. I look at I'm looking at the calendar right now. Yeah. Between the Islanders schedule and the Rangers schedule. And I don't know how they both play the same amount of games. It looks like the Islanders play fifty and the Rangers play hundred and thirty two. Imagine we got hundred and thirty two games in a season. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> not for their legs. No, not for their legs. The schedule is what it is. When they return home, hopefully there's more of a sense of normalcy. But UBS Arena is coming, Brendan. It's I want to go fair. to a game. I mean, the tickets are more expensive than MSG right now. Maybe I'll be nice. And with one of my two tickets I get for my, my 10-game package, I'll bring you. Oh, that would be so sweet. Yeah, maybe. Might need something in return like finances. Finances? You want yeah, me to invest for you? support. Invest. <laughs> I got a text from a friend today, by the way, about joining Acorn. Because he gets a deal. Yeah. Same friend that texted me two years ago to join Acorn. I used his little coupon and I put money in there and my stocks have just done nothing. I don't even check the app anymore, but whatever. Moving on, before we leave and go talk about, I don't even know what's next. So we get to the interview. We have our little goal line segment. The Islanders' second line with Palmieri on it has yet to give up a goal. They've scored five. They have not given up one goal yet. The Islanders' top line has played really well in that in that um, Minnesota Wild loss. Anders Lee had two goals. Barzal, did you see the transition of Barzal on the, the second Anders Lee goal? I mean, when I he turns the Jets on, this is what bothers me a little bit. Barzal might go games without points. And there's games where he looks invisible. I don't get how that's possible. He doesn't have to score and, and do all that kind of stuff. If he just skates, he's automatically a distraction. And when he's a distraction, if he gets the puck to Lee or even just generates in the offensive zone, there should always be a threat. I don't understand how games go by. And again, I'm not the one playing. He gets he goes against the best defenseman. But even if he's not having a great game, just his overall speed should be enough to be a threat where 
the other team has to think twice, or he, he should be generating chances like that, and he was on his game. I mean, he was driving to the net. He was making great plays. I just want to see that from Barzal more often. And I know Josh Billy on that line. He's probably been the Islanders' worst 5-on-5 player the whole year, and I get it. But he's racking up the points. He's, he's close to the team lead in points. Points, you know, got to watch. I mean, his decision-making is is so slow. He fumbles the puck. And, yeah, Barzal and Lee, when they score, people on that line score, he gets in a point. Great, he, get, he made a play. But I think that he's got to step it up because Oliver Wallstrom right now, even if he's not racking up the points over the last couple of games, is so confident right now. I know Islander fans are just dying. Especially right now with the Islanders' top line and Lee and Barzal being hot. Putting Wallstrom on there... I don't even know what damage they could cause, but having a guy like Lee, who's been, you know, again, over the last couple has looked better, Barzal doing what he does, and Oliver Wallstrom just sniping everything he shoots, that would be such a fun line to, to watch. But I know you look at the Islanders' third line, and yeah, Pajot hasn't done anything. Prize has yet to score a goal. But that is they work so freaking hard, and Wallstrom has been the benefactor of, of certain plays. You don't really want to touch it, but I think... Again, it comes down to which line do you want to see succeed more. It's a team game. And that's what Trotz has to figure out. And you can't question Trotz. He's Trotz. It's really it's really a tough thing to do. But yep. you got to think eventually Wallstrom's going to play on that top line. How long do you wait to see Bailey do more on a night-in, night-out basis? Because Wallstrom was the extra attacker when the Islanders pulled their goalie in Minnesota, which they did twice. And while that might seem like not a big thing at all, that just shows the utmost confidence that Trot says, okay, we need a goal. I'm sending Oliver Wallstrom out there. And if that's the case, he's got to play top line minutes so he can put up those points with Barzal and Lee. Yeah, you, you kind of see the same thing. The parallels between the Islanders and Rangers this year, I mean, are there, right? I mean, both teams early on were winning games because of their goaltending and the defense wasn't coming around yet. And both teams have young guys in Wallstrom and Lafreniere that are playing third line. And there's a guy in the top line that you think they probably should be replacing. I mean, it was Goudreau, and then Blay took over for the Rangers while Lafreniere is still in the third line. And for the Islanders, Wallstrom should be in that spot. I, I said it last year, and I know that last year was different, but if that is the guy that you believe is the sniper of the future, give him that top-line spot. I mean, you just look at it, and it's, all right, Lee and Barzola need a winger. We've been saying it for years. Lee is as good as he could be. Barzal is great. They had Everly. He's gone. They thought Palmieri would be the answer potentially, but when they signed him and they got Parise, all right, that's a fantastic, you know, yeah, Palmieri hasn't been, he's driving to the net. He's making big plays. He can't buy a goal. He just can't buy a freaking goal. And what I feel like once he scores, the legit start, they'll start coming. But the question is, He's looked so good on the second line, and the second line's playing a lot better. And that's a line that the Islanders need to have going because we've seen in the past. And credit to Bailey, I mean, in the playoffs, Bailey's turned it up with that line. But it comes to the point where you just can't you just can't wait. Again, the Islanders start on a 13-game road trip. That's a hole before a season starts where you have to overcome that. They want to return to UBS Arena, scoring goals, playing great defense. The defense is looking a lot better. Sorokin's been fantastic. You want to see the offense come alive a little bit. You need to get Palmieri to start scoring goals, and he's been perfect on that second line. It's going to happen. I guarantee it happens in the next few games. Just Trot is going to know when it's right for Wallstrom to go up there. The question just is when, and it doesn't really matter as long as the Islanders are producing. But the, the last thing I want to talk about with the Islanders is, is Noah Dobson. 
I put a tweet out yesterday, or whatever, wherever we are this. It was a couple of days ago, but I said I'm more concerned about Dobson's play than Chara's, and I had a lot of people agree with me. A lot of people tell me to go f myself with the <laughs> dumbest take of this season, and I want to just clarify. Chara is what Chara is. Chara is not going to get better. No one is expecting Chara to get better. We are all expecting Dobson to take strides forward into being a top four defenseman because he has a skill set. And we aren't seeing that to to the speed at which we want to. Which is why I said I am more concerned about that because what am I going to concern myself about Chara? Clearly, he's not the answer. Either he's here to buy time for the youngsters or they're going to make a big move before the deadline to get a defenseman. I'm just worried because Dobson, he's just not getting better. And I know when Pellet first came up, oh, he's, he's, he's slowly developing. We need him to develop faster. And look at him now. So, yeah, we got to wait on Dobson. He's getting bodied off the puck, and it's more about the mental game for him. He's just waiting too long to make decisions, or he's being indecisive. And he started the season with Chara. Didn't work out. He's been playing with Green. Who, he's looked better, but there's times. I mean, last game against Minnesota, he was terrible. Again, you ha- you're going to wait for him to develop. I get that. I'm just concerned because he's not taking baby steps forward. It's still the same mistakes over and over again. He, he really, it might take longer for him to develop, and that's fine as long as he does. But again, it was just, just a thought of mine. I just think he's developing a little slower than expected. I still think he's going to be a great player, but I want to see some some confidence from him. Maybe he needs a big goal or a big defensive play for that to happen, but I think it's all in his head right now. It probably is. Um, and like you mentioned, there's always the – you could be angry at what Char has given to the Islanders thus far. You could be upset with his play and an overall game. But as you just mentioned, he's in his early 40s, right? I mean, he's been in his prime. He's done the things that he has to do. And the Islanders knew they were not signing a guy to be a number – one, two, three, or four defensemen, they were signing a veteran placeholder. And for Dobson, you want to see the strides, right? It's the same reason Rangers fans are upset with Kako right now. You want to see those strides in the game, and they are not there right now. So I agree with your tweet. I think that I would be more concerned about, you know, Dobson the same way I'm more concerned about Kako than Lafreniere or Kako than these other guys not scoring in the Rangers. So uh, it, the parallels are eerie right now between the two sides. Um, I just can't wait till they play. Before we kick it over to the interview, I just want to read one person's tweet. This guy, I don't know why. I'm going to call him out, and this is attention he probably doesn't deserve. From the start of my uh, my Twitter uh, life, right? This guy, Luis Onofrio. I don't even care if I pronounce it right. Has something out to get me. <laughs> this is his response to my tweet. So my tweet exactly said, I'm more concerned about the play of Noah Dobson than I am about the play of Zdeno Char or anyone else in the Islanders right now. This is his tweet. Okay, Barry Trotz, if you think Chara hasn't been bad this year and Dobson hasn't been worse, then you haven't watched one game so far this season because Chara has been 10 times worse. First off, he spelled worse wrong. Anyway, <laughs> my tweet not what you said. was not saying. So I responded because he does it all the time. I said, please read before commentating. You do this often and then it makes you look silly, which he did not comment back. So I'm going to take that as a win for Stefan. But without further ado, <laughs> Brendan. <laughs> 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. <laughs> uh, it's time to kill the turkey so without further ado nick gizmondi of root sports northwest covering the seattle kraken all right joining the show now is nick gizmondi seattle kraken broadcast for root sports northwest and nick how you doing today doing great nice to chat with you guys uh, i appreciate you having me on uh, i know you guys are a little bit more new york uh east coast focused <laughs> but we'll appreciate a little uh, pacific northwest love yeah we don't we don't know a lot so before we get though to seattle crack and hockey tell us a little bit about your job your career and how you got to this point oh well, it's been an adventure uh that's for sure i think anybody that's that's been in this business knows that uh, it, it, it's never necessarily an a to a to b straight line uh so this is my She's 26th year as a as a sports broadcaster. Uh, it's only my fifth season in the NHL, so it took me it took me 22 years to 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 get to this point. But it's been an absolute blast of a time. You know, I've had a I've had a fun career leading up to getting to call games in the best league in the world, and then the last five seasons getting to announce games in the NHL has been unbelievable. So I was with the Vegas Golden Knights their first two seasons, and then. Um, Spent uh, spent two two and a half years with the Chicago Blackhawks, and and now the opportunity to to usher in another NHL franchise, and and to do it with one of my best friends, John Forsland, is is just an absolute. I mean, I, you know, I tell people all the time, and and this has been said uh, before. You know, there are there are get two jobs, and there are got two jobs. This is a this is a get to job. I get to do this job. I don't got to do this job, and it's uh, it's pretty special. You know, I. I grew up playing hockey in, in Michigan and played at a pretty high level for a long time. And when I got injured and got out, I just desperately wanted to try to find a way to stay involved with the game. And, and I fell into broadcasting because my high school had a radio station. And, you know, here we are 26 years later, still involved with it. And, and I, I, was at the, uh, I was at the game the other day in Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena. And, and I, just, I was leaning over the rail from our broadcast spot mid-concourse. And I just had the biggest grin on my face, and I didn't even realize I had the biggest grin on my face. And my broadcast partner on the pregame, postgame show, Ross Fletcher, he puts his arm around me, and he goes, "He's got this. He's got this great British accent, which I, which I absolutely love." He's like, he says to me, "He's like, you should see the smile on your face. Right it's unbelievable." <laughs> and I, and I told him, I said, "If I ever don't have that smile on my face, it's time for me to quit because it is, it is special to be able to be a part of." Uh, to be a part of this league and to be able to call games in it. And then talking about John Forsen right now, obviously he, he's an icon in the sport. How is it working with him? John's the best. I mean, uh, listen, John Forsen is an incredible play-by-play man. He's an incredible play-by-play man. And the only thing he's better at is being a human being. I, I John is one of those people. There are, there are very few in the broadcast business. John is one. Uh, Ed, Eddie Olchek is another. Um, those are two guys in this business who, if they called me tomorrow and said, hey, Giz, I need a heart and you're a match, I would literally run to wherever they were 
cut mine out with a butter knife and hand it to them and thank them for everything they did for me because they're they're amazing human beings. John's just a consummate professional. He he, he iconic voice, iconic call. Yeah, doesn't play favorites. Knows the game inside and out. And just a gem of a human being. So to be on a broadcast with him is a dream come true situation for me. And then everybody else on the show was unbelievable too. But it's special when you can work with a with a friend, uh, you know, somebody who's done so much for you, John. You know, John, when when you know when things changed up in Vegas for myself and Brad May and Ali Lozoff, we got a little caught off guard by that. And literally, the news had come out maybe. 10 minutes and John was the first guy on the phone with me and you know John and, and Eddie helped push me into Chicago and and then when John landed in Seattle I mean he was one of the first guys to call me and be like hey let's figure this out like I'd, I'd love for you to be with me here and so I owe John I owe John I owe John a lot I owe, I owe John and Eddie Olchek a career Brendan, if I ever need a heart, I expect you to cut one out with the butter knife. Right? <laughs> I think uh, I think is. I will. Uh, I'm going to go to the doctor and let them do it. Uh, no butter knife on my part, but I do appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> Come on, you're hockey guy. You cut that thing out with a skate blade if you needed to. Skate blade's a different story than a butter knife. I feel like All the right, skate blade might go. be more efficient. No, All but right. yeah, John Forslund is is awesome to listen to on a broadcast. And yeah. you mentioned your reaction walking into Comet Pledge Arena, seeing the the atmosphere for the first time so what was it like you know when you you saw that because for me the first time I watched a Rangers game in Seattle I was looking at the two scoreboards just the all the the TV screens around the building and it just was electric to to see the fans there and so what's it been like not only inside but outside and in Seattle for the buzz around the Kraken yeah and I have the luxury of having experienced the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights coming into the yep. league and T-Mobile Arena and all of that. And, you know, I get asked a lot because I was in both cities to, to, to make comparisons to the two. And you, you can't. It's not it's not the same thing. It's a different feel because of the circumstances that led up to what happened in Vegas on October 1 um, and that team dropping the puck to, to the experience here. But the atmosphere inside Climate Pledge Arena is is goosebumps. You you. They've done it the right way. the The seating is is super. It's almost vertical. It reminds me of like an old school ring. It reminds me of like Boston Garden and and a little Joe Lewisy, but steeper. So like you feel like you're no matter where you are, no matter what seat you have in that building, you're like on top of the game. You're watching it like you're like you're almost hovering above it. Uh, and then everything that they did inside of that place in terms of the sound and the baffling to enhance the experience whether it's a concert or whether it's a hockey game you're hearing everything like you're hearing like i'm hearing conversations of the guys on the ice you you know so there's that kind of atmosphere to it the fans know it johnny greco's in charge of the in-game entertainment he was the one that revolutionized it when he went and did everything in vegas he came over here Uh, so he gets a big nod on that the double scoreboard is epic the window wall at the far end of the rink is epic and then everything with inside the building is super cool, too. There's hardly a concession line because everything is touch-free and autonomous, essentially. Um, they're uh, you know, harvesting the vegetables for the concession stands inside the building. It's just state-of-the-art. I mean, Todd Lywicki and the Oakview Group did a, you know, a, just a, a jaw-dropping job of being on the cutting edge of technology and innovation and um, resourcefulness. So 
it's really, really cool in there. And the fans, they get it. They get it. I, You know, I said when, when Vegas came into the league, it felt like there was this explosion of new hockey fans, and there was this, oh, my God, and they figured it out quick. The way it felt in, for me in Seattle is, is that it was a hockey town already. You know, they they had hockey there. They had the WHL team. They had the Metropolitans way back when. So I felt like it wasn't so much of a explosion onto the scene. I felt like it was a more of, yeah, we've been here before. This is going to be amazing. We know what to do. And they're doing it. Like a yeah. rebirth. Like a rebirth. Sure. A rebirth <laughs> is, is, I would say, a little bit more accurate than just this, oh, we showed up. Yeah, correct. And, you know, you mentioned the noise, right, inside the building and how they built it. I feel like when you're looking at the Seattle Seahawks and the 12th man that they got, you kind of have to, to make something like that to compete with the fan uh, aspect. Listen, and... I, I thought it was loud in Vegas, and it is very <laughs> loud in T-Mobile Arena. Like, can't hear yourself talk when you're next to my broadcast partner. And it's the same thing in Seattle mid-game. They were there in the, in the bowl area, and I actually wear – um, they've got us on headsets right now, you know, the classic sportscaster headset. But um, we're, we're, we're moving towards, like, having to wear – I've got, like, the, the professional, like, in-ear monitors that, like, rock stars use that have, like, a driver and isolation in it because we're at a point where even with the headsets, I, I can't you can't hear the producer counting me to break. I can't hear what my partner Ross is saying. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to break on feel at the moment, which is, is many broadcasters out there know that that is a scary place to be in. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that just goes to show how loud that building is. That's awesome. That is on my bucket list. I want to go to a game in Vegas, and I want to go to a game in Seattle. I want to see all these arenas. So uh, Vegas, yeah, I have extenuating circumstances for why I want to go there. But uh, <laughs> in terms of Seattle, Seattle, everyone says it's a beautiful city. So I do want to oh, go check it out. Yeah. Pacific Northwest, especially this time of year. I mean, it's a it's rainy. Everybody told me it was going to be rainy, and it is rainy, but it's got its nice days sprinkled in, and it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, especially yeah. this time of year, fall with the leaves changing colors and all the water. And it's cool. It's a cool place. I'm an outdoor guy, so I'm going to love it there. There you go. So I got to ask because this has been something that's on my mind this whole time. What aspect do you think is the most unique about the Kraken? And if you you have to mention the salmon toss a little bit, right? I mean, oh, that thing sure. has been awesome. <laughs> for sure. At first, I wasn't sure if it was put on by the team or if it was just like a little something. And now, obviously, it is there. It's going to be their tradition. And they're honoring they're honoring the heritage. They're honoring the Pacific Northwest. So many different things that they're doing with the, with the with the presentation there is an homage to to that area and, uh, you know, to the folks of that region. Um, the salmon obviously has great importance. And obviously, we all know about the the you know the very famous fish toss at the public market um so it's cool it's an homage to it and and i uh you know it's got every time they throw one of those into the stands the boys autograph it and then it's also got like a little tag attached to it about sustainability and and things like that so there's an educational aspect to it but i just love the little nods to 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 the pacific northwest i you know the goal horn the goal horn is a is a is basically a decommissioned Washington ferry horn. And it's actually like the horn. It's not a recording. They brought like the giant ferry horn into the building and it's in the rafters. So like it is a legit ferry horn from a decommissioned Washington state ferry. That's just like little things like that, that are just kind of like, Oh, I see what you did there. Um, which, which make it really cool. 
So we know what the NHL is calling the fan base, and I won't say the name on here just because, you know. But what are, the team-wise, what, what are they calling their fan base? I don't know if they... I don't know if they've nailed it down yet. I don't, I got, I don't like, I don't like the, 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 yeah, yeah. To the building <laughs> and to the fans. I think that that's, I think it, I mean, in the world that we live in right now, I'm not sure how people are getting away with calling them that. Uh, yeah. Just, it's not. So no, I think they'll, I think they'll carve their own niche out when, when they do. I think most people, when they hear the other sort of name tongue in cheek, we balk at it and, I've gotten defensive about it too on on a couple of radio shows and 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 other little areas. I I kind of push back on that, and it's just it's not it's a great fan base for sure. And I think they're excited about I think they're excited about being there. Um, I think uh, I think they'll figure it out. I don't know. I mean, uh, there's no rush. I mean, you've only been in the league. Yeah, for like... yeah. I think those things kind of come organically. I don't think you have to force those things. So. Gotcha. I know that they're loyal, and I know that that logo is all over the place. You can't go anywhere in that city without a without a Kraken hoodie or a jersey or a hat or a car sticker or or something like that. So at it's our, cool. Yeah, it's, at our it's local gorgeous. rink, at our local rink the other day, there was a guy wearing a Seattle Kraken hat. I mean, it's all over the place. It's one of those. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a freaking amazing logo. It, like, it's gorgeous, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. The colors, but, uh, colors pop too. Like, I'm oh, they do. Like, I, I mean, my I, favorite part's I, the eye. Pop. And the red in the eye, yeah. it's pretty cool. Like I, I love it. Like I, I, it's so funny, right? Because you fall in love with it, right? So you like, I, I, I fall in love quick. And I'm a hockey guy, right? So I'm a team guy. So it's like once you, once you have that logo, that logo is your, that logo is your family. That logo is your shield. That logo is your, you know, protection. When I used to coach hockey, um, I coached some AAA teams, and I said that logo is your, those colors, that's your family, man. Like you, you, you you're playing for that. You're playing for that logo on the front, and that logo kind of unites you all. And whether you're a broadcaster, or a trainer, or a coach, or a player, or whatever, if you're affiliated with the team, that logo's your that logo's your everything. So I go hard. I bought so much stuff. I'm like, e. <laughs> just but, got a Seattle Kraken household. I have so much Seattle Kraken logo stuff now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Wait, they made I... you buy that stuff? They didn't just give it to you. <laughs> Oh, they hooked, trust me, that, that's the other thing. They hooked me up with so much of it, and then I was like, oh, but I need that. Oh, but I want that. Oh, that looks cool. I need that. Do I need a koozie? Yeah, I need a koozie. Should I have a shot glass? Yeah, I probably should have a cracked shot glass. Oh, yeah. The, the shot glass and the koozie should have been the first purchases without a doubt. No, 100%. 100%. I don't, I don't mind the whiskey every now and then. <laughs> so looking at the team, let's get to the actual team now. Um, so mm-hmm. they're 4-7-1 out of the gate. Who stood out to you as being, being a great player and who struggled to start off the season? Um, I don't know about where anybody is struggling. Like, it's too soon to kind of maybe say there's anybody struggling because wait, you, we've all moved to a new place. Yeah. I think most of us have at least at some point in our lives or had some sort of life change. And for these guys, you know, everything happens so quickly. You got to figure out your dry cleaner, your grocery store. What's the best way to work? Where do I drop my kids off for school? Who are my kids as friends now that we're in a new town? Or, you know, where do I go to eat? Where's the best bar where I'm not going to get bothered? Um, so I think a lot of those guys are still sort of figuring that out. And we saw the same thing, you, you know, when I was with Vegas. So uh, I don't think anybody struggled yet. I think guys are at different levels of feeling comfortable. Um, so the guys, in my opinion, that are starting to feel the most comfortable are the Eberleys, the Schwartzes, the Wenbergs. I think Geo's super comfortable. I, um, um, I think some other guys are sort of, sort of settling in. Yanni Gord is always happy and energetic. Brandon Tanev has been super impressive to me. 
Uh, so all of those guys, I, I, I think, are, are, are sort of my, my guys that I, I, I'm, I'm impressed by. Wenberg moves the puck so well. Aberly now, he's starting to score. I think he's super comfortable and confident. Uh, Jaden Schwartz on that line has been just brilliant as well. And now that we got, you know, Drieger's back, I think Drieger's going to step up and play a big role. I think the goaltending tandem is going to be really good. So I like everybody on the team so far. But if I if I had to say about a guy who I'm really, really impressed with out of the gate, I think it's I think it's Eberly. And I think my dark horse is going to be Morgan Geeky. I think he's a guy that's really going to settle in and do some impressive things. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we're going to get to in a second, Brandon Tanev and his eye popping numbers. See what I did there? There we go. That was a good one. Look at you! I got you. (laughs) That was that's been on the mind since four o'clock on the dot. All right, so, (laughs) but no, but the Rangers and Islanders both obviously watched the player go, and Rangers lost Blackwell, Islanders lose Eberle, and you mentioned Eberle. So what what have you noticed from Eberle's game? I know he just had a hat trick the other day. He's always been kind of one of those guys that has the ability to score at will when he gets hot and. Uh, has he been that type of player for the Seattle Kraken so far? And what is it going to take to let Blackwell get in the lineup after the year he had with the Rangers last season? So uh, let's start with start with Blackwell because he's the easy, easy one. I think, yeah, it's just going to take some time. I think they're trying to figure out what these combos are and, and how it's going to play out. Uh, patience with him is going to be the key. And we'll just sort of see. Coach Hastall has a plan sort of for everybody. He's not totally revealing it, but Blackwell's a part of it. Um, and in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of Everly, he's comfortable now. He, he, he's, you know, he had that hat trick. The hat trick was coming. Like you could see that he was going to explode for some offense. And I had sort of said that it was going to be that game or the game against the, the coyotes where guys really started to get hot and roll when they were coming up against teams that were sort of struggling. Obviously the Arizona game surprised the, the hell out of everybody, but <laughs> yeah. you know, that's hockey for you. Yeah. But, um, uh, Eberly has that it factor, right? He's got that high IQ. He's got that. He's got that. He's got that ability to sort of find that open ice and put himself in a good spot. And the other night, when the goals just started to rain, you could just see him after every shift. He just looked a little lighter, looked a little more fluid, looked a little bit more comfortable. And then playing on a line with with Wenberg and Schwartz, who can move the puck so so well, it's a bonus situation for for Eberly. So. That line, and especially him, uh, that's the that's the straw that stirs the drink in Seattle right now. Yeah, so obviously you've come to notice Eberly's backhand. We saw it on the island for a couple of years. That's usually his go-to move. That was some backhand. Sorry, Brendan, to point out against the Rangers, but it was beauty. I like a good goal when I see it. <laughs> well, that's a 50-50 goal, right? That's a that's a spin and fire it at the net and 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 hope oh. for the best. But if I... you don't put it on the net, you don't. It's not ever going to go in. So it was his only option. I, I think the most impressive thing about that goal was his thought process through it. He obviously knows he doesn't have time to get on his forehand. He knows that, um, you know, the goaltender's coming across and going to be there. So you got to make that move quick. You got to play that puck quick. And it was a beautiful goal. Yeah, that was the only way that Chesterkin was going to beat that game. It had to take something with that type of creativity and accuracy. I mean, he was unbelievable. Like, yeah. at some point, it's like, just drive a truck into that guy. Like, <laughs> he was unreal. Like, I was like, okay, well, you're not scoring on this guy unless it's something fluky or it pings off of four guys in front of the net because Shesterkin was, holy smokes. Yeah, his back's going to be hurting by the end of this year. It's oh, yeah. like no, that. He's going to be carrying some weight. Love Fox, by the way, though, too, on your point. He's, he's probably the purest top 
defenseman, I would say, in the league. I think Adam Fox is. He's got a lull to him where it's just like you don't expect it. He's not flashy like the McCars, the Hughes, but just effective. But, I mean, you look at the the game against the Kraken, and the Kraken showed to me that whole game I was expecting the Rangers to get their foot on the gas and start to dictate pace of play, but the Kraken were not having that. Uh, so they, they showed that they might be a thorn in the side. I actually picked them to sneak into the playoffs later on in the year. So I'm hoping they I do. start I, picking I, up. I agree. I agree with that. I think they will. I, I mean, listen, sorry it was the Rangers, but that was a win. That should have been a win. For, that should have been. That should have been a win for the Seattle Kraken there. But in hockey, you will, you will win some games you probably should have lost, and you will lose some games you probably should have won. And yep. it'll, it'll balance itself out at some point. So we were talking about Brendan Tanner earlier, and he's been just amazing to start the year. Obviously, when he was with the Penguins, a fan favorite. What about his presence, his energy? Just makes him an attractive player for the fan base, his teammates? Because it sounds like everyone enjoys his presence. Well, I don't know as though guys have him. And I don't know if teams prior to this maybe had a guy like Tanner in the top six. But he's proving to be a, a top six player right now just based on what he brings. And it's... It's not just the goals that he's getting. That's a byproduct of his work ethic and who he's with. It's For me, the impressive thing about Brandon Tanev is that every time he's on the ice, something positive happens. And we hear that in hockey a lot. Do your job to set up the next line for success. Well, he's hitting guys. He's creating turnovers. He's hemming teams inside of their own zone because of his – I mean, and by the way, he's a great skater. A guy his size, he's a great skater. Like, he moves – quick he's got this short quick choppy stride that i just absolutely love but he gets a drop on guys all the time and guys on the bench see that a guy like Tanev, like that who's an energy guy who's a great locker room guy he's a glue guy you do, sh- you do stuff like that inside the room and, and, and everybody's amped up for it everybody's raring to go everybody's like yeah all right let's go let's go can you can do it so can we and 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 that's the kind of energy that a guy like that brings. So not only is he doing great things on the ice by scoring goals and creating hits, he's creating an energy, and guys just get amped for it. Yeah, I mean, look at the Islanders. You have the identity line. That fourth line does the trick. And I feel like if Tanev, another life, he joined the Islanders, I mean, he'd be a perfect player on that fourth line. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened in Vegas, too, right? That Vegas in that first year, they had a great fourth line. Will Carrier yeah. was Ryan Reeves. Those guys were big. Those guys were big cogs of that and, and you know coach gallant was able to utilize them and it wasn't like they it wasn't a fourth line like he rolled four coach gallant rolled four lines almost a similar equal minutes so yeah it's a luxury to have guys like that throughout your lineup well nick it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today we really do appreciate you coming on and giving us some insight on the newest franchise lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're... Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. In the NHL.
Hey, thanks for having me, boys. Let's do it again. Stay, uh, stay frosty out there in the. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning into that interview with Nick Grismani. Thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. All right, now it's time for our betting segment, Goal Lines. Goal Lines is brought to you by BetUS. BetUS is one of the pioneers in the legal online sports betting industry and provides a safe and secure place for sports wagering to more than 1 million clients. Join America's favorite sports book. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLERS. Now, Brendan, we got some teams that are hot, teams that are cold. We got a few games on this Wednesday night. Who do you got going first? Who do you, who do you think wins, let's say, Maple Leafs, Flyers? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that game, and I I mean, I like the over. I think those offenses are going to come to play, and I don't trust Carter Hart at all, but I'm going Who to does? take the Maple Leafs to bounce back. I think the Flyers are 6-2-2. Two two. They might be due for a little bit of a tough night, and the Maple Leafs are coming off a tough loss, so I'll take Toronto. Yeah. The Maple Leafs got embarrassed by the Los Angeles Kings 5-1 to one on Monday, so I, too, will t- I like the over, though. It's probably what, you think, 5.5? I would say the over is going to be 6. 6? Yeah, I can so. see that happening. Depends who's in goal. I mean, That's for the Flyers, it doesn't really matter. So, All right, so Nashville and Dallas. It's an 8.30 start on Wednesday. Hmm. You know, you look at these two teams, and I think they're they're pretty similar. I know, the obviously, the Nashville has a better record, but I would say I like Dallas at home. I yeah, do. I do like Dallas as well. I love the under in this game because Dallas always goes under. Nashville always go, goes under. Yep. Um, so I, I think – the, there's going to be like maybe a half a goal scored combined in the whole game. That's how under these teams are. And when I when half I look a at goal it, sco- so half a goal <laughs> scored combined, it's going to be a zero zero game. Now I I I do think it's going to be like a three two score. So I very rarely do you see an under at five even. You might see it here, but if the under is at five and a half or above, I would I'm be hammering the under. All right, sounds good there. So we got an over in the Toronto Flyers game. We got an under in the Predators Stars game. This seems like an easy one, Brendan. Minnesota in Arizona, but Arizona did win a game. They they've won, uh, but I don't think they get their second win because Minnesota Wild. First off, watching the Islanders get bombarded in the third period. First, the Wild are a team that come from behind in pretty much every game they play, and they're dominant in one goal games. They probably pound on the Coyotes. I, yeah, Coyotes have confidence, but it's fake. It's fake confidence. They're a terrible team, and the Minnesota's unreal. So I think they'll just dominate. I, I agree. I'm going to take the Wild, and I do love the fact that Arizona's won 10 and 1, and we had that whole talk about how you think they're only going to have like 10 wins I said, on the year. I said 11. I said I 11 said, wins. That's it. I could so be right. I'm, I'm rooting for them to lose Arizona just so that you could be right, and we could talk about that later on. So I will say Minnesota as well, and you know that's the perfect segue into the who's hot, who's not right now, right? Because Minnesota is definitely hot. They've won their last three games, but the longest winning streak in the NHL, surprisingly, is the Los Angeles Kings at five right now. Uh, I mean, you saw on Monday night against the Maple Leafs. I mean, Jonathan Quick played well. Denault, the Denault is heating up. And you, you who? About Philip Denault. Philip Deneau. Deneau, Denault, Deneau, whatever. No, no, tomato, it's, tomato. No, it's well, his name is Deneau. It's Deneau. Um, Philip Deneau is heating up right now, and one of those you know offseason acquisitions that. He left Montreal. We didn't even talk about that before when Montreal is missing players. Deneau played a huge freaking role for them in their cup run. So there's a team that's heating up right now. Cal Peterson is the number one, but you haven't quick play well. So I think it's a surprising team. You know, you want the Kings to be well. I know in the offseason, Drew Daddy was talking about it, how he's tired of losing. Do you think, Brendan, this is the year that the Kings can get back into the postseason? 
it yes and no. I, I think that in the Pacific you have Edmonton and Calgary right now who look to be the heavy hitters. Vegas yep. is not in the playoff picture right now. You got to think that's going to change once they get healthier. So if I expect Vegas to jump back if that's always an if, but I do expect them to get back there. And then the other division is loaded, right? You got Minnesota, you got St. Louis playing like they were a couple of years ago. You still have Winnipeg, Dallas, and Colorado haven't found their game yet. So it's going to be a, an uphill battle for them. But, I mean, they're on a five-game win streak right now. Anaheim's on a four-game win streak. The Edmonton Oilers are on a four-game win streak. So that division is showing that they could play. But I do think that the Kings are going to be too streaky, right? They started off, what, 1-5-1, one, and, one, and yeah. now they're – so uh, it's, it's going to be tough for them to keep that going the whole season. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said – this is the NHL. It's very difficult. But for the Kings, though, now would be the time to rack on the points while other teams are dealing with injuries and not heating up. Because you look at the end of the season, like you said, Vegas healthy, if they get healthy, are going to be dominant. Those teams that are struggling out of the gate are going to figure it out. And if you're the Kings, get as many points as you can now. And hopefully by the end of the year, you're in it. Because I feel like the Kings being part of the playoffs is something that everybody kind of wants to see, especially with the new look Kings. It's not the same Kings that was winning you know, Stanley Cup every other year. Correct. It's definitely a new look Kings. And I mean, but when you look at the other side of the who's not hot, it's the Buffalo Sabres at the five game losing streak and same old Sabres again. They, every year they do this thing where they go like five, one and one or they start their first 10 real hot. They did it last year, too, even when there was like playing the greatest teams in the NHL. And guess what? They just fell off a cliff and they're doing it again. It's just uncanny how they continue to follow the same script. Do you know that people are calling for Jared Bednar's job? Because of the start that the Avs are on? The 4-5-1 start. They are flipping pancakes that Bednar has got to go. We're talking about the team that's predicted to win the Stanley Cup. That's why slow starts don't mean a whole lot when you have that much talent on your team. I know Rantanen was slow to start. McKinnon didn't even play to start opening night because he was battling COVID. So I don't think they should be. started slow last year, too. It doesn't matter. Look, look at the Islanders. Islanders never don't have under trots. I've never started off particularly well, yet find themselves, you know, Eastern Conference Finals back to back years, and a force to be reckoned with. So, I mean, look at the other team in the standings struggling. The Blackhawks are two nine two. Again, the Coyotes are on a one game winning streak, right? A one game winning streak. Yeah. I don't even think that even qualifies as a winning streak. No, it's not. I'm pretty sure a streak is uh, two or more. It has to be two or more. Montreal obviously has been struggling as well. Yeah, but you know we look at the games later on in the week. And I'm just looking down. You know, Saturday the Rangers play Columbus again, and I guarantee this time, if Merz Lincolns plays against Shesterkin, there will be no pointing the stick into the sky for him <laughs> and everything like that after what happened last time. But looking at that game, let's see. Let's say the Rangers continue this week and they're, they're scoring goals. Right? Last time I think the Rangers played. Columbus, I think we took the under. I want to say. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I'm pretty sure we took the under in, in real life where it matters. Correct. So, it was 4 nothing, so it hit. So I'm, I'm thinking the under again in that game. I don't know. When these two teams play, I think if the Rangers' offense continues to play the way it's played, but they only scored four yesterday, right? Uh, they only scored four. That uh, Their season high, I want to say, might actually be four. Four is five against Edmonton, so their offense hasn't really kicked it into high gear yet. But uh, Columbus is on a back-to-back, 
That's yeah. the second leg of a back-to-back, so you're not sure who's in goal. The Rangers. Well, have... they play the Capitals the Friday. Correct, and you also think that the Rangers are going to be rested coming off a big win. So I would like the Rangers, but you've seen different, crazier things. Yeah, and we'll stick with the New York teams because, you know, that's what we're all about. The Islanders play the Devils on Thursday. Now, that's a game where I think the Islanders could put some pucks in the back of the net. you got a few guys that played for the Devils. Obviously, Zach Parise, maybe that's when he scores his first goal of the season. Palmieri could score his first goal of the season. Andy Green, Lamarillo being part of it. Maybe it's coming out party for some Islanders struggling and they just light the lamp. I'd say the over in that game. I like the Devils, actually. And I'm not just saying that. I really do. The Devils are playing well, similar to the Sabres and similar to what they did last year. They did get off to a good start. Uh, I think that the Islanders' schedule is not favorable to them. Right. Uh, Every time they win, they have the ability to go cold. Every time they lose, they have the time to think about it. And I just think that the Devils are going to be a a little bit too much to handle at home for the Islanders in that game. So I I do like the under. I do agree with that. I think the Devils win a close one. Well, I said the over. Then we are completely disagreeing. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.